Welcome to another episode of Demystifying Gay Porn. My name is Ike Grande, and if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped to get off. Aye. And without a doubt, <laughs> my guest, my special guest this week has as well. Uh, please welcome Boomer Banks. Boomer, how you have, you are have you? You have to say it the way it's supposed to be said, though. Ike Grande. Ike Grande. I know. You gotta... You, Pinche gringo. Oh, my God. <laughs> Getting getting people you have like getting people to understand. I've been I called IQ Grande. Yeah. I'm like you know that's really bold and ballsy to call myself IQ Grande. No, IQ Grande. You're absolutely right. Yes. I appreciate that. That's your gringo. So it's it's an all Latin cast today. Yes, today. <laughs> so how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much for being this year. You are my. Uh, Second season finale, which oh, I appreciate. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what's Does, been going on? It's going to end in a cliffhanger. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. Like a novella. <laughs> Someone slaps to. somebody. <laughs> um, how have you been doing? I, I'm good. Yeah? Yes. Where have um, where have you spent the uh, the good amount of the pandemic? Have you been here? So, okay, where so we're sitting right now. All right. How do you feel about this new CDC um, guidance? I think it's... So we, we trusted the science, right? We're like, trust the science. Mm-hmm. And then like, we wear your mask. And now the science is telling us to take off the mask. And it's kind of like, <laughs> wait a minute, like that quick, mm. mama? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, I don't know. I like, I, if I'm outside, I'll, I'll have it off. But like, if I go in somewhere, I'll still, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fully vaccinated but I, I'm still going to wear it inside and on the subway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I just, some people are gross anyway. Yeah, I'm not ready for the subway either. <laughs> what, well, what do you think about this too? Um, they call it the COVID vaccine, yeah. but we're going to have to get it every year. Apparently. So yeah. it's not necessarily a vaccine, uh, is it? No, yeah. It's like the, it's like the flu. But then they started calling it the flu shot for a while. So then, yeah. we'll, then let's call it the flu, sh- the, the COVID, ve- shot. COVID shot. Sure. <laughs> um, there, yeah, but apparently Moderna has been reacting a little better, so you might go a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pfizer one, you're going to have to get. Like a booster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. But we'll see. Mm. We'll see what happens. When you look back now in the past year, how, how crazy it's been? How was your... Um, how was your experience in the beginning being in New York? Because New York was locked down. I, I mean, right. everybody was locked down, but whenever I always feel like it's very uh, different when you're locked down in New York. It, well, I mean, I'd never experienced being locked down in New York, uh, but I wasn't going anywhere. Mm. I, I knew this city was going to pull through. Um, I've heard in the past, it's gone through many, many iterations of what it is now. Mm-hmm. And and I also knew that um, once this ended, we were going to um, start a new era of something different, better, mm-hmm. and, and and that's what always happens, you know, after big things, um, big events like this. This is unprecedented, and uh, and but I wasn't, I didn't, not once did I want to leave. Were you um, F- flee, as I like to call most of these guys? That, like, yeah. Went to their parents, went to their parents, <laughs> yeah. running to their parents, and now they're like coming back, like, "Oh, I'm a New Yorker." Yeah. No, ma'am, no. You're what not. I miss? No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Were you shooting? Were you doing any kind of? Uh, eventually, I, I started to uh, once uh, it was easier to get COVID tested, and um, and I was 
on my end doing what I needed to do to, mm-hmm. to be safe in these situations and requiring that of the performers. So I shot uh, quite a bit um, last summer, but I I was very proactive about testing. I mm-hmm. tweeted like an STI. Yeah, getting test results and also now when people have the vaccines taken, yeah. showing it. Okay. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to I want to know a little bit more about you though because um, I read that that interview with mm-hmm. Plus Magazine. Yes. Um, I've seen your work. We have a fan of your work as well. <laughs> Huge fan. He he kind of he said he was going to fangirl out. So when he when, hasn't yet. Well, when you came, I think he's composing himself really well. <laughs> but but he was really quiet even after you left. I was like, are you okay? <laughs> I know, and I'm totally putting him on the spot now. But um, yeah, I I'm I've whenever I've seen your stuff, I had not had the chance to work with you. Yeah. But I had always liked what you said. And be it models, be it companies and their rates, (laughs) and just how Latino you are. I I love it. So, um, And you know what's funny? I'm going to call myself out. Um, I didn't even know how Latino I was. And that's the sad part. I entered an industry understanding who I was. I also entered the industry at at, at a certain age. I was 33. I actually turned 33 the day that I did my first scene um, in 2013 mm-hmm. um, on June 13th. And Gemini. Yes, I'm a Gemini. Me too. Um, and so so four of us are on this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> I know. June, <laughs> June 4th. Oh, my God. Yeah. 1980. Someone, someone else is June 4th. We're the same age. Yeah. Angelina oh, Jolie. Yeah. Maybe. Angelina's mm-hmm. is on the fourth. Um, so uh, uh, a friend of mine is. His name is Miguel. Too. I think this is the fourth as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Um, Good but, month. Yeah, and so you know, it, I knew that if I was going to do this, it, it was going to go big or go home. And I and I I had seen models of different um, uh, porn stars in the past. Also, from the get go, I realized porn stars didn't exist no more. Mm-hmm. We, I felt like we were in an age where like it, it was just different, right? And I didn't never, I've also never really called myself that. I always, I have a podcast where I say silly things instead of calling myself a porn star. Um, and I have an amazing uh, co host who's an amazing writer and my best friend Brett. And he always comes up with some funny shit to say about yeah. my intros. And he always tells me, read it before so you know what you're saying. And and I don't like to read it because I like to read it while I'm reading it and laugh my ass out because it's always something stupid. <laughs> oh, so every episode has it's like a, a different intro. one. Okay, awesome. Like like I I I'm Beyonce's second assistant, <laughs> something or other. It's always something silly. Yeah. Like, um. <laughs> so anyway, no porn stars, and but I knew that I wanted that there was social media was getting, uh, you know, big, and mm-hmm. and I had started a Twitter. And I knew, and it wasn't because, you know, Twitter followers is like being monopoly rich. It doesn't really, (laughs) it doesn't translate. It doesn't add up, (laughs) sis. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but it it does give you exposure and a lot of times that does pan out. So, um, and as a man of color, um, I did have a sense of what I, I was not, and I wasn't white and, I didn't realize how much that bugged me mm. and how much I felt like I needed approval 
of white entities um, to, I don't know, go in the next step mm, until, until I started realizing how um, my first year it was, um, I did really well and I knew that I can sit at that imaginary table that these gays sit at. Um, but also I started realizing I, I didn't identify as them. I'm not a white gay man and gay to me equals that. Mm-hmm. It just does. It's always some sort of white gay entity and I identify as queer and under, un, like understanding what that means for me. Um, and, and there was a whole influx of like, you know, gender uh, fluidity happening and, and people like pronouns and mm-hmm. understanding what that meant I identify as queer. Like that's my, you know, I, I don't expect people to uh, address me that way. And I, and I am okay with any sort of pronoun that isn't derogatory towards me. So like when I was younger, I'd get mad when someone would refer to me as a girl because of that gross, toxic masculinity that like I wasn't even masculine. So that was the funny part. So, and, and then to be called a girl and think that I like being, um, that I was, um, that you were, uh, uh insulting me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, that's how I was acting. Um, or I was, I was acting queer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So uh, the first year I, I did well for, you know, the company that I was working for. And, uh, and then you just started hiring more white guys. The company, yeah, that you, okay, and 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 it was, and it started being uncomfortable, and I started being very open about my uncomfortability with that, and and of course they don't want to hear that, so um, I became the loud Mexican, you know those uh, people call them microaggressions. I think it's mm. such an, and that's I think that was made up by white people. Yeah. There's nothing micro about it. It's a fucking aggression, yeah. period to um so you know i was very outspoken and um and and i continued to be in you know twitter fights and bullshit like that but um lately i've kind of refrained from that and obviously now you now i notice like the following coming up again um i'm an adult i know what i signed up for so that's why i i knew that i needed to kind of separate my my not completely, but give them what they want to see mm-hmm. on my main Twitter. And so I started an alt Twitter so that I can say my feelings on that Twitter um, handle and then just give them dick on an ass <laughs> yeah. on the other one like they want to see. Um, I'm not trying to censor myself. I'm, I don't think anybody is. I just, like I said, I know what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And so I'm giving the children what they want on that Twitter. Growing up, because mm-hmm. you grew up in Mexico. Well, no, I grew up in Southern California. So you grew up in Southern California? I, I was born in Mexico, okay. in Michoacan, in a small town, or uh, pueblo called Quiroga. And, um, but my mom, when she had me, which was the ass backwards thing to do, she waited till she had me and then mm. went to the States. And, uh, so I am an immigrant and yeah, I mean, I, she was an alcoholic and, um, I kind of just fended for myself and I grew up real quick. I've never been my age. 
at any given moment as a child. Always older. I always had to cook for myself, take myself to school, figure out where my mother was. Um, yeah, it just is what it is. And so, um, she passed away when I was 14. I went to go live with family. They were not okay with an overtly queer kid who was very unapologetic. I remember once some asking me, why do you act that way? And I like looked at them because my mother was a very, um, quick witted and cunty woman. Mm. And she was constantly like just clapping back at anything, especially because she didn't want nobody to tell her not to drink. So she learned how to use her mouth <laughs> very, very, um, vastly to, um, to shut people up or to just like shut it down. Mm -hmm. And that's what I grew up with. So when they're like, why do you act like that? I'm like, well, you act like that. Okay. So you got you, that, that came from her. Yeah. That part of her. Yeah. So I was, but also like, so I, I lived with that family. And then when I was 18, I, I left and I went, that was in, uh, I moved up to Santa Barbara County. That's where they were. Um, and I, that's where I went to high school, um, in a town called Santa Maria. And I came out in high school and I was very out and I was a horrible kid and, uh, uh, hung out with the popular cheerleaders and everything just to kind of mask that I was like a oh, fucking afraid and, and I didn't have anybody to protect me. My oh. family didn't give a shit. My cousins didn't care. Um, it was just basically me fending for myself. So afraid because of, of being gay and having had nobody to was, take care of I you mean, before? Gay you was just a, who I was. Okay. It, it was just because I had no one to protect me. I had and, to protect myself. So now the high school you went to, mm -hmm. predominantly white? No, it was Latino. Okay, so there was... Yeah, right. it was Santa Maria's a, a, a farmer town. Okay. So they have like strawberry fields and okay. broccoli fields and it smells like shit there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it... it it's just I grew up with a Catholic family that mm -hmm. the way that I acted and what they deemed um, me to be was wrong. You know what I mean? And I got made fun of and uh, I cared, but what was I going to do? Mm -hmm. So then I moved back to Los Angeles and I'm homeless. I'm living on Santa Monica Boulevard and, and then I, meet trans women in, uh, of color and drag queens. And they were basically like my mom, just very loud, very quick. Um, yeah. And that's how they defended themselves. What year, what year is this now? This is 1999. Okay. So 1999, 1998, 1999. 19. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 19. And, um, you know, I, I have, I'm sleeping on the bus, sleeping behind Taco Bell, like can't even afford Taco Bell. Like, knowing what it is to actually be hungry not just be like i'm hungry mm. oh i'll eat later no like hungry and not even too scared to ask for money on the street like not understanding that that would probably have fed me but yeah it was um and then i f figured it out real quick like um not that like maybe less than a year after that i met people and there was a job available at a movie theater. And so I went and I applied. And, and so then I got a job at a movie theater and 
that quickly accelerated and I went from like popcorn guy and like, you know, ticket guy and I became an assistant manager. All the time, I was um, actively using math. Oh, wow. So I was like a functioning addict. Yeah. And it helped me excel at things. And, uh, but that didn't last. And then I had a boyfriend at the time who was very enabling. And, um, but I lost that job. And, uh, and then soon after that, in 2000, January 2002, I got really sick. And, um, it's the way people describe having COVID. And the similarities to COVID are like uncanny. Hmm. And it pretty, and doctors have told me that PCP pneumonia basically does the same thing. It like attacks your respiratory, but because I had no immune system, mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time. Um, it, uh, when people get regular pneumonia, it's just like a centered pneumonia. When you don't have an immune system, it's like scattered and it's attacking. So it kind of feels like you're breathing razor blades. Jeez. And you can't smell, you can't taste, all that stuff that we heard about COVID. And I know what's going on. So the boyfriend that I had um, took me to the emergency room. They admitted me. I'm allergic to sulfa drugs and penicillin, so they didn't know what to treat me with. Um, and they tested me. And I found out I had full-blown AIDS. I had 11 T-cells. And a viral load that was off the charts. I'm 21 years old. And I kind of knew that that, like, I wasn't upset. I was more upset that I, my boyfriend at the time was probably going to test positive as well. That was what I was mostly upset about. Um, But for me, it was like, still actively using like I just didn't care about myself, obviously. And even when I got better, after I was in the hospital for a whole month, the first thing I did was use, wow. use drugs. Yeah, I didn't get sober for another about year and a half when I was 24. Um, and yeah, July 29th, 2004 is when I got um, when I got sober. That was the last day I ever used. So my, um, my sober date is the 30th of July. And I've been sober ever since. And that's basically when my life began. And the problem with that is being 24 and like not having a driver's license, not having a bill under your name, not having a credit card, not knowing how to fucking brush your teeth, make a bed. It was all very going to rehab, them telling you to do all that. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what's going on show up on time um it was all things that i needed obviously it's like um, growing up all over again yeah. yeah but then again still like not addressing so much other trauma of the fact that like i was never able to be a kid mm-hmm. but also being told now you now you really need to be an adult um and but i didn't want to use anymore like i knew that much just did not I didn't want to use anymore so I did everything they told me I got a sponsor I went to 12 step meetings um, and I haven't looked back since this July I'll celebrate 17 years yeah 
what do you attribute? Unfortunately, there's a lot of times people lapse and stuff. What do you attribute to your longevity? Um, the word no matter what always sank in. And um, they told me that that I was the whole life on life terms thing. Like I was the, I, when I was using, I pretended I was a badass. Once I got sober, I was like, I, I started realizing that people are badasses without that. Mm. And, and, and like, they can actually like live lives and, and, and have fun mm. and, and have things without having to lie, steal, cheat, and manipulate people, places, and things to get there. So I wasn't stupid, and obviously I was able to create this illusion of using, but I didn't like the way that made me feel, because it didn't, that was the thing. My using was to not feel, to completely numb myself. Like I didn't even go to a circuit party until I was sober. I didn't really know what PMP was until I got sober. I didn't engage in that stuff because my excuse was like, I have a boyfriend, I need to go home. Like, so I I was a very isolated user, and I, I hid it from everybody until I couldn't. But I didn't want to feel that way anymore, which was lack of feeling for some reason. My My... I attribute to to not wanting to feel the way I did my last week using. That was like the lowest point. That was your... I weighed 110 pounds. I'm 200 pounds now. 110 pounds and like I was a shell of a person. Like there was no... All these things that I wanted to be, all these like idols that I had... Mm -hmm. None of that was going to be achieved if if I was going to die. That's what was going to happen. I was going to die. Because you say it's the last week, right? That My you last felt week, that yeah. you felt that way. What was that point? What was that realization? Like, like fuck. Like that's well, it. This I, is I it. mean, I got arrested. Okay, so you got arrested. <laughs> yeah, so there yeah. was a little bit of yeah, yeah. I was living. It's my best thinking at the end was go live with the drug dealer so that I can have oh. drugs. He was being watched and um, he was being monitored by, you know, whatever detectives. Mm -hmm. And they went in and, uh, you know, arrested him and I was there. And I'm a good drug addict, so I had drugs on me and I got arrested for possession. Yeah. And that's a very contrived story. I mean, I had the bag of all of his drugs and all of his money, which was like $16,000 and like every single drug. Had he not admitted that that was his bag, they would have pinned it on me because they're going to pin it on somebody. I mean, I'm sure they'd figured out. They knew he was the drug mm -hmm. dealer, but um, I, don't, I don't know whatever happened to that man. I, sometimes I forget his name. Now I remember the other day his name was John. Just a random name um but yeah it was um that last week i got close to like iv drug using like that was the next step um because i was using all these different drugs that i had never cared to do because mm -hmm. they were not my thing just so that i wouldn't feel that they weren't working 
like the feelings were just so intense that nothing was numbing me anymore. Something had to give. Mm -hmm. So I got arrested. I got a public defender. The words, I have a problem, just spouted out of my mouth. She figured it out. They put me in a program. And I stuck through that program for 14 months, showing up to court with, with the judge every single time, getting a report. And then finishing that program, you know, them telling me that, you know, stay sober. <laughs> but for the first, for, for those one year out when I was out of rehab and I was in, um, sober living, all I did was go to meetings twice a day. I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't have a job, nothing. And I met all these people that I aspired to be. Um, because they were happy and more than anything, it wasn't aspired to be, I aspired to, um, have the spiritual, like, centerness that they had, mm -hmm. the calmness, the serene, um, intent, the genuine human self that came from, like, working a spiritual program. And, you know, it's so touchy to talk about this stuff because the, one of our spiritual principles is not talking about, certain things at the level of press radio and film, but I just feel an obligation to the next person in this industry that comes along and has an issue with drugs to let them know mm -hmm. that they don't have to use if they don't want to. And there's ways that they can get to that point. Um, you just have to really want it. Yeah. Um, so I like talking about my recovery, you know, I don't talk about specifics cause that is not okay. It is an anonymous program, but I'm speaking about myself and it's important that these kids know that there's something out there that can help them. 40 year old you uh -huh. talking to 24 year old you, <laughs> what would the best thing that you would say to him be? Uh, act your age, just be your age, be 20 make mistakes. Um, if you don't have a drug problem, like do all those things when you're in your twenties, get, get it out of your system. If you have a drug problem, don't do those don't do it. Don't touch, <laughs> don't touch those yeah. things. Um, uh, don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> you don't need a boyfriend in your twenties. You can have many of them. <laughs> don't worry about a relationship. Worry about like what your goals and dreams are work on that lay a foundation for that because that's going to what what's going to like carry you trying to figure out all that stuff in your 30s is not fun it's not fun but you did it yeah my life didn't start till i turned 30 when i moved to new york city so you moved from la to, to yeah. new york city yeah uh you've been here since 2010 2011 okay, yeah 2010 2011 yeah when did you start thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm a hot guy. I can, <laughs> I can do, I can do this. Um, I don't think it was that, that, that's the way. Yo, no, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a very abbreviated, but you know I started, I mean. um, you know, I, I moved to New York. I went to school for fashion <laughs> in LA, um, when I got sober and, um, 
and I got this really cool fashion job that got that had me move to New York City. The problem was that that designer was going through problems financially and then ends up selling her company to another um, designer, not a designer that I cared to work for. And um, so I'm in New York City, but still full of hope and, and excitement for being here. And I, um, I work, everybody's like, Oh, well, you're 28 or they thought I was still in my twenties <laughs> and they're like, go, um, go, go dance, go, uh, be a bartender, work in nightlife. And I was like, Oof, I don't know about that, but I tried it and it worked. And I started, you know, there's so many photographers in New York city. Everybody wants to take your picture when you're in nightlife not everyone, but people. So I finally took photos and I finally took nudes. I was never that girl that like was taking nudes of themselves. I don't know why, honestly, I just wasn't. I was also never that girl that you knew had a big dick. Cause you know, there's some of those guys that like, you know, they have a big dick before they walked in the room because yeah. they've already told everyone. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I'd go on dates and guys would be like, you, you, why didn't you tell me? I didn't know that was a requirement. Um, By the way. Yeah. So, um, it's not even about being humble. I just didn't like, it wasn't a pressing issue for Mm -hmm. me and it wasn't remotely a part of my personality. If anything, like I said, I, um, when I got sober, I, I became very grateful for everything that was like happening, being able to go to school, learning how to sew, which, you know, I attribute to my mother. She had, she was a seamstress and, um, she had an industrial sewing machine, um, in the house. And she told me never to fuck with it. Of course, when she wasn't around, I'd fuck with it. So I learned how to use a, an industrial sewing machine and fucked with it. And so when I went to school, the, my teacher was like, who taught you how to do this? And I was like, I used to fuck with my mom's sewing machine. Um, so the sewing and, and all that stuff, the design obviously is, is, is an art and, and it's something that I, I loved playing with fabric, my mom's fabric, my mom's clothes, my mom's sarapes, everything. I drape a fucking towel like on me to look like a dress all the time. And that's like my thing, draping. And um, when I went to school, the teacher was like, who taught you how to drape? I was like, I just kind of always liked the fabric. And I have like a bunch of fabric in the fucking closet. One day I'm going to do something with it, yeah. right? And it's just in the fucking closet. You're, you're collecting it. I, um, yeah. But yeah, um, fashion has always been a huge part of um, of who I am. And, uh, when, um, when that didn't pan out, you know, nightlife in New York is always so alluring and beautiful and fun. And so when I did that and then people started taking photos, um, in 2000, in 12, I think it was. Yeah. In 2012. I started meeting sober um, sex workers, escorts, porn stars, whatever that means. 
Um, so I was like, oh, interesting. They're sober. And then it just kept like meeting more and more. And I made a, what is it, a profile on Rent Boy at the time. And they took a liking to me right away. They're like, oh, hi, let's help you. And they were like, and one of the owners. And, oh, so Rent Boy. Yeah, Rent okay. Boy was really nice to me. And they're like, oh, and this and that. And like, they gave me a free profile. And like, you know, I think the third leg helped to like, they would put me on the front page. They were so sweet to me. I went on with, I went on my first client and it was so nerve wracking. You think I'm going to, it's going to be a cop and freaking mm -hmm. out. And it was fine. That man hired me for like a whole year after that. Uh, he's one of my regulars. Um, and I started a Twitter from, because I was doing the, uh, uh, escorting. And someone's like, well, if you do porn, that'll help your escorting career. And I was like, how, oh, okay. But like, then I'm doing porn. And because I come from like this shameful background mm -hmm. of like Catholic bullshit, um, I'm like, well, if I do porn, then I'm doing porn. But also, I'm a fucking escort now. <laughs> like, the logic there, right? And even, like, telling this porn star friend that I had, um, that I was escorting, like, and him scoffing at me, I was like, that's when I realized for the first time, I'm like, wait, bitch, you're doing the same thing I am. Like, oh, well, I don't fuck old men. Yeah. Well, you're an old man, number one. <laughs> like, I don't know who you're fooling. You're not in your 20s. Um, anyway, so uh, I started doing... Uh, well, I didn't start doing porn. I, I started a Twitter, put in my... And then, um, uh, I, you know, other places and reached out to me. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that quote that you gave me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know much about porn, but I am an older person. And I know that that's probably not enough. I also had heard that like they didn't get paid the same, but they did work more. So it kind of evened itself out. I asked a few people and, but a uh, raging stallion approached me and Steve Cruz. Um, I sent my number and he called me right away and he was like, there's this movie and how hairy can you get? And I was like, ta-da. <laughs> Like, I'm not a hair, yeah, I don't shave yeah. or anything, but this is, he's like, it's okay, I want you in the movie. Are you free June 13th? And I was like, it's my birthday, <laughs> but I'm not, I don't have anything planned. He's like, I want to fly you. Like, let me have it. It was just fast. Mm -hmm. da, da, da. And then I go, I fly to California and, um, uh, we, we film, I forgot. Russian River, I think it's called, or something like that. It was like offsite. The movie's called Timberwolves. They put me with a hairy guy to offset the fact that I wasn't that hairy. It was somebody I knew, so it was kind of like easy. Mm -hmm. But also, Steve kept stopping and he's like, You need to tell me that you need to, like, if you have any questions, because I keep forgetting that this is your first time. You're doing really well, by the way. And I was like, you just call me a whore. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
and it, but it was like it flowed, and then, yeah. the, and then the next day he's like, the president of the company wants to talk to you. And as an addict, I'm like, what did I do? Gaze, <laughs> as opposed to like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when the when the boss wants to talk to you, you're like, oh my god, what did I do? Um, yeah, as opposed to like, oh, something good happened, and they offered me an exclusive that next day. Wow. He must. He saw all the stuff that you shot, and and he's just like. And, but Steve was like such a. That's my porn mom. Steve Cruz is my porn mom. Like that man taught me everything that I didn't know because I knew how to have sex, but I didn't know how to do porn, especially studio porn. And those are two different mm. things, completely different things. Because Minimum. ever since I've been doing all sex, like I'm literally done in yeah. like 30 minutes. I I want to talk to you about that because. I respect your ability to understand how much you're worth. And I know a lot of people in the industry, especially studios, do not even negotiate. I don't think the models realize that they're the talent. If they don't have talent, then they don't have money. Mm Mm-hmm. they don't have money then they're not getting paid so if all these i always say faggot sorry (laughs) it's just my word um you know if all these kids just you know spoke up like people would be getting paid properly because the money is there (laughs) the money's Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. if they all just were like knew their worth they would be getting paid properly And a lot of these guys complain that they don't. And that's nobody's fault but yours. Oh, well, then they won't hire me. Trust me. They will hire you mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. You just got to learn how to say no. And if they don't hire you, it's not it's not your loss. Like They're out yeah. a model. At the end of the day, there, there just isn't really that many... models that will do good yeah and when you know you're good they know you're good Mm -hmm. but because some of these kids do it young they just let people take advantage of it and like i said i wasn't young when i started so i asked for things and I, i didn't i didn't care if what's uncomfortable about asking to be taken care of and again like i said they, if what are they going to do the porn mm-hmm. no one wants mm-hmm. to see their asses in porn <laughs> yeah you know i can think of a couple people. yeah I can, see, i can think of a couple people that i do not want to see any of yeah no but um but yeah it's just um ask for more money ask for more money if they say no then I'm sorry. And trust me, they will come back and they will negotiate. Well, this is where fan sites, only only fans, just for fans, all of this stuff was right. created. And they know that this yeah. is happening and they understand. And some of these studios, when you become exclusive with them, they, they don't want you to be filming that stuff. They can't stop you because porn is technically... There's no contractual mm-hmm. situation. Even porn contracts are not really binding because actually in some states they're considered trafficking now. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, oh, if you yeah. get paid for sex, it's trafficking. I think in California still, Fausta yeah. Sesta. 
Well, yeah. you know, technically the only state that you're supposed to or allowed to technically shoot porn is is California. All these other states get away with it. But but, but also you you can't No, that's why everybody moved to Vegas. I think Well no, the bareback was the Vegas move. Because okay. you weren't allowed to do condomless porn in Cali, I think. And I don't think you could even do it here in New York. Oh, no, yeah. You're not supposed to do it anywhere. <laughs> but, for, like, Miami's huge in the straight porn industry. What are you going to do? You're going to shut down a million-dollar industry? Yeah. Like, or multi-million-dollar industry at this point. Yeah. But these fan sites, I think, are um, a, a direct result, in a way. Because a lot of times, these studios had kind of a say in what your shelf life was going to be. Yeah. Like after they've used, okay, that's it. We're done. We don't want to use this person anymore. But they still have fans. They still have all these people that want to watch them. Yeah. So in a way, they created this byproduct of of, of these models now taking And then control. now they see that they're doing well. And then now they're trying to hire these OnlyFans models to work for them. And some of these guys don't even, like, I yeah. make too much. Like, yeah. are you going to give me, like, some of them, I've even tried to get them in a scene with me. And they're like, well, can I have that footage? They want to put it on their, mm-hmm. and these companies are like, no, that's not how this works. Actually, studios, that's how things work mm-hmm. now. So start paying attention. Studios, it's not how you work anymore. Mm-hmm. It's how these models work. And you guys know it. So get with the fucking program. Like, honestly, it's not it's mm. it's not a studio world anymore. Yeah, it isn't. It's great. I love what they do. It's beautiful. Some of these directors are phenomenal, including you. Okay. And and but like, it's not a studio world anymore. Yeah. It's a content creating world, and anybody can have their own studio. So now, content creation. Yeah. Or these content creators. Yeah. Uh, when you see, because you've, you've been doing it for a minute, um, when you see these new guys come in, or in general, when someone wants to start an OnlyFans page, a Just For, Fan, a Just For Fans page, what is, what is the best advice that you can probably give somebody? I hate that question. <laughs> I know, but I don't mean it in, I a, I don't mean it in like, hey, prepare because this. Because I sound like a dick. No, but that's, but that's what that's. <laughs> People need to hear it, man. Because you, because I get work. messages and then and then and, <laughs> and then I don't. They don't hear what they want to hear. Like, oh, oh, do you think I can do OnlyFans? No. <laughs> if you're asking me already, the answer is no. If you have to ask someone if you think you're good enough for something, baby, the answer is no. If you're gonna do something, just fucking do it. Stop second guessing it, or you're never gonna do it. And and if you do, it's gonna be shit. That's why there's a plethora of shit on OnlyFans. Like this isn't sex. You still have to have a, a like the camera is your audience. Open that pussy up to the camera. <laughs> Show that dick to the camera. Nobody wants to see. Two people on top of each other the whole time. They want you to turn around, mm. do an awkward position to where they can see the <laughs> penetration. And, and, but no, you know, and some of these pretty white boys get away with that. They're just showing their flaccid penis or their butts, you know, talking about dude things. And they have, they're the ones that have the most, they make the most money. I'm grateful that women are doing a killing as well. 
they're doing great. Women should feel empowered by sex and they shouldn't be shamed by it. Nobody should. But, um, you know, people that actually do do work and stuff like that and they're not white, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we got to work twice as hard mm -hmm. or work with these white boys to get that exposure. Yeah. I was talking to a model who, <clears throat> uh, black, black model, big dick. And you know, that's, that's what he's, that's what people know him for. You know what I mean? And I was like, what well, can you tell like an eight year, 18 year old, very similar question. He was like, well, if he's white, he'll be fine. He has no problem. <laughs> and I was like, Oh damn, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, when you go vanilla and safe and pretty, But not a lot of people can rely on pretty and safe. Like <laughs> they, but they do right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and it's not their fault. It's the consumers. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why, and that's why there hasn't been a change in studio porn. That's why studio porn continues to hire white guys because whoever's consuming this shit only wants to see that, and it's very apparent as well in fan content because mm -hmm. they're the ones that make the most money. The only way that's going to change is if you start giving love to people of color. So you can sit there behind your computer and put on your fucking Twitter, Black Lives Matter. But if you're not doing anything to change that, and I'm not talking about just sex work, just in general. Intersectionality is something that people need to pay attention to. Just saying Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. and, and uh, stop Asian hate Um is isn't enough you have to integrate and and look at the supremacy that's been instilled into you just like i did um to get on the other side of it to appreciate people of color because even as a man of color it, it you know it's only been a, a, a few years that i've now tr appreciated being a dark getting in the sun loving my dark skin um uh, loving other men of color even more so and appreciating them and not questioning, am I racist? Like, why would mm -hmm. I question that unless it's something that is, was instilled in me? And, um, it sucks. It sucks to, to look at that. And there's something that we, we spoke about the other day that, uh, that really resonated because I had never put it to words the way you did. Uh -huh. Um, you mentioned something about, appreciating who you were because and and you said something similar now right because we get kind of indoctrinated in tv and film and yeah. print everything they told even when yeah. even, even when a person of color is cast it's a light person of color or it's a latino because they could live in those spaces mm -hmm. um and it's it's uncomfortable now It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable to see, you know, these awards like the Golden Globes, like continuously, like just celebrate things and ignore these amazing new things that are happening um, that celebrate people of color. I don't think the Golden Globes are even going to be um, broadcast next. Yeah, next year they're not doing it until they've. And who gave their Golden Globes back? Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yeah. Miss Cruz gave her fucking. She uh, did. Her, she's like, here, I don't want it. 
it's as tall as me. <laughs> <laughs> you have a clothing line. Yes, it's Banks with two Ks. I started it with um, my queer friend, um, Christina. Uh, they are um, one of my best friends. And um, they, um, I met them uh, like f- five years ago. And they work in uh, fashion. They used to work for like um, big companies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they started working for a gender fluid company. And we kind of collaborated and created this brand together that I always wanted to do. And it's a gender fluid collection um, called Banks. And uh, I showed for New York Fashion Week in February of 2019. And we're going to show again eventually. And, you know, we have some stuff on the site. So go check it out. And it's it's been a dream come true to be able to do fashion finally. And that was kind of the point of all this notoriety, even though it was through a different, um, you know, uh, uh, portal. Mm-hmm. Um, my sex positivity has always been very important to me without even knowing that it was important to me. And that's why I have it, the podcast that it's a sex positive queer podcast. And I bring people on so that they can explain what sex positivity means to them because it's different for different people. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 um, I explain it in a way that like, what, what, what hair product do you put in your hair that when you put it in your hair, you look at yourself and you're like, I like this. Mm-hmm. That's sex positivity. What clothes do you buy? What shoes do you wear? Everything, your environment, um, you know, even um, stuff you eat, like anything that empowers you to feel and be yourself, I believe is sex positivity. It's not just overt sex. Mm -hmm. When people hear sex, especially religious people, they think like, you know, rape and all this crazy nonsense and i just wanted to have a podcast to celebrate queer people and their sex positivity um i think i've had maybe one two maybe three porn stars porn people porn personality porn personalities <laughs> um because i i i want it to be que- trans mm-hmm. queer um and celebrate them and and people of color and um and, and allies that are true allies um, but yeah, the fashion, the, the podcast, and now, um, some music, music, really? Okay. Yeah. That's who I was like. Um, um, my vocal coach is like on his way here. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what kind of music are you, are you, I don't, I don't know yet. Okay. I, I was featured in a song and that's what gave me a bug. It was a Spanish song for my friend, my queer friend Vilo, who we did a song called Deseo. It's on Spotify. And, um, I do a little feature, but. I wanted to get vocal lessons so that I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. and I know my keys and I know an instrument somewhat so that I can, and I already wrote my first song and I think I might do like a small EP and see how that goes and how oh. I feel. But more than anything, I've realized how therapeutic singing is for me and how spiritual it is for me because it's always been my go-to to help me feel happy or help me cry. Um, and um <laughs> that's him that's him okay. um but yeah. um but yeah it's it's and, and it's been great and i I've, i'm glad i'm not tone deaf yeah that's always good <laughs> especially if you want to sing but i also am am glad that i'm learning how to find my voice 
Yeah. So music Jeez. is happening now. There's a lot happening. Yeah, you are very, very busy. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. I mean, yeah. when you're not busy, you yeah. know. Well, I'm a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do, do everything. I, I feel you. And, then, and never finish anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I feel that way sometimes. There <laughs> If you go in notes sections, I don't know if you make notes, but I I don't do that. I don't. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> oh my god, I have notes of projects like right. And I'll pull over my car and I'll be like, "Oh, this sounds good." My boyfriend thinks I'm crazy. Look, I don't want to take up more of your time. You have been awesome. Thank, Thank you, so you so much for hosting me. Yes. Um, I would like to do this again. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. For you know, sure. I I want to do. I want to get a little more interactive with podcasts because i want to make it more video based as opposed to um just audio yeah so yeah so we will cross paths again um i have to thank you i'm very very happy to have met you because um you're a very popular latino who is out there in in porn you're out there and you're doing it and i and i appreciate that so and And so do a lot of your fans a lot of people um, out there that are watching i was um so real quick Nicki minaj just released some ep thing and i'm a huge barb unbeknownst to myself but um she said something in the thing about how how people don't realize um, people tell her like how did you get here so quick and people always say that to me too it's funny it resonated it's like it wasn't quick and people are always like well you're boomer banks and i'm like I wasn't always mm. Boomer Banks. I started somewhere as well. At the end of the day, it's about who wants it the most. And what resonated the most, what she said is, I want it the most. Mm. So at the end of the day, if you want it the most, you're going to get it. I want it the most. I'm going to fucking get it. So thank you, Nikki. Damn. <laughs> Cheers to that. I know. I love, I love Nikki too. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. So very much. yeah. Uh, where do people find you? You can find me on Instagram at bacon LVR. That's bacon LVR. You can find me on Twitter at boomer underscore banks. Guys, I try to get all these handles to do the same yeah. thing, but like people are stealing my fucking name yeah, anyway, yeah. whatever. So it's, um, Twitter is bacon underscore. I'm sorry. Bacon boomer underscore banks twitter is boomer underscore banks um you can find me on um only fans um uh onlyfans.com slash boomer banks you could find me on for my for my dot fans for my dot fans slash boomer dash banks and you can go to any of my social media and figure all that out um and my clothing is banks with two k's nyc.com and the podcast boombox oh yes boombox okay. the podcast boombox that's boombox with three x's and it's on all um podcast um uh avenues all the directories yeah there you go yeah next uh demystifying gay porn hopefully <laughs> yes <laughs> um but again uh boomer banks thank you so much for doing this thank you guys ike grande yeah. uh i absolutely oh. Ay, que grande. Yes. <laughs> Ay, que grande. Este gringo. <laughs> i know i know i gotta get past that It's not my problem, it's theirs. It is yours. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, man.